But first we have to go back. Back stage? No, no, no. Way back. Like many billion years ago. Okay, but can we stop at a mini mart or something and get some snacks? Because I have a tendency to get hungry after a couple of billion years. No can do. Time's a waste. Wait, it's not even over. It gets really weird from here. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. We are back. My name is Scott Gardner. And I am Michael Bailey. And we are back. Big thanks to Luke Giaconetti, whose name I think I've mispronounced every time I've ever said it, but finally listening to him uh, do that episode last week, I finally realized how his name is supposed to be pronounced. So thank you, Luke, for uh, filling in for us last week. And uh, this time around, this is kind of a kind of a special episode i guess you would say because mike and i are both going to discuss the same book and we actually know what we're bringing to the table this time so uh it's kind of a sequel of sorts i would say to our world's finest episode it it, it is it is it well you know i, I this will come up in our discussion i'm sure but i i think this one shares uh a similar vibe with another big uh, crossover book that we did a special episode for a while, but actually a couple of special episodes for a while back. And it's also a bit of um, overflow, I guess you would say a kind of a, kind of a pressure relief valve for tales of the JSA, because <laughs> this one is uh, tangentially related to events that are going on over uh, on that podcast right now. This uh, happened to have come out at the very same time as the issue that we will be covering there this week. So you guys should get a kick out of that, but I'm going to hand it off to Mike to uh, tell you guys what it is we are covering and to cover chapter one. Well, we are covering DC Comics Presents Annual Number 1 from Woo-hoo! 1982. Yes. This thing was a whopping $1 when it came out. That's outrageous. I'm getting out of comics. Has a wonderful <laughs> Buckler Giordano cover showing Superman and the Golden Age Superman flying between two Earths. As the disembodied heads of Lex and Alexi Luther look on, and now, right there, you know you're getting something good. Now, you is know this it's painted? Be awesome. It looks it it looks painted, or at least the coloring is different from your standard yeah. comic book uh, cover coloring of the time. It's a great cover, though. Yeah, beautiful, uh, wonderful cover, and th- and you can tell this is before they decided to go with the more streamlined Perez Earth 2 Superman symbol mm-hmm. because it's still cut off at the bottom. It's like somebody yeah. took the Superman shield and just snipped it yeah. right there at the bottom. But it still looks very cool because it's Buckler artwork. Well, it's a good thing they did that because, honestly, the the little funny curly cue thing at the top of the S just isn't enough to distinguish these two guys, you know, uh-huh. especially from a distance. So having that flattened bottom to the... Uh, to the S shield, you know, it gives them a little bit more because there are, there are instances in this book where I couldn't, uh, when we get to it, I'll point it out, but there was at least one sequence that comes immediately to mind where I couldn't tell which Superman was speaking. 
we have an honest to goodness splash page. Uh, old school, where it shows the Superman of Earth One breaking through a brick wall, a la that Aurora model mm-hmm. box from the past. And you got the Superman of Earth Two breaking some chains that looked like they weren't put under his arms. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure what the villain hoped to accomplish there, but whatever. <laughs> um, story title is Crisis on Three Earths. Marv Wolfman was the writer. Rick Buckler, Rich Buckler, excuse me. I, I always want to say Rich, Rick Buckle, Buckler and put the H in the Buckler, but that doesn't make any sense. So, <laughs> uh, And Dave Hunt are the artists. John Costanza was the letterer. Carl Gafford was the colorist, and he is the colorist over on All-Star Squadron as well. Cool. Edited by Julia Schwartz. Chapter one, Million Dollar Mayhem, and we open on a Metropolis street on Earth One where Lex Luthor is just causing a serious ruckus by using a tank that looks like it's worth probably several million dollars to steal a handful of uh, bags of money from a bank. I knew you were going to, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, Mike is going to have a field day with this part of the story. I knew you were going to bring that up. Well, you know, it's, it's there, you know, and it's funny because Marv Wolfman is the one to make fun of that. Sort right, of thing. right. So now he's doing it, but we cut to Superman flying Lois back to the Daily Planet after a wonderful lunch on the Champs-Élysées. And this was apparently to make up for Superman having to break so many dates lately. This was a time when their relationship was starting to get rocky. And this is a good example of the spats they would have where Superman's like, holy crap, I see trouble. And Lois is like, what, another emergency? Because apparently, you know... Saving the world is, is is second to you know their me time, her me time with Superman. So Superman drops her off on the WGBS building and inexplicably rips off the Daily Planet Globe to use it as a weapon against Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor's like, "Ha! I have a special kryptonite ray of my own design to take you out with." And Superman's like, "Dumbass! That's why I brought the globe." And he chucks the Daily Planet globe at, Super, at Lex Luthor, which smashes his machine, and he is taken into custody. Uh, Superman flies back to Lois, and she basically is kind of a bitch to him for running <laughs> off to save Metropolis instead of spending time with her. And her thing is basically, you're the world. You can't belong to me. And he's like, well, you're kind of right. Sorry about that. And he flies off. <laughs> I love that. He just flies away. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is right before they would break up and then she started dating Captain Strong. And then they eventually had that whole abortion storyline and all that, right? Exactly. Okay, that's a lot of thinking. people don't like talking about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a dark <laughs> dark period in Superman history right there. Well, would you want to have Captain Strong's babies? Look at those arms. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right. So moving into chapter 2. This one's entitled Missiles Over Metropolis and we pick up on Earth 2 where Alexei Luthor is launching. He's got this really cool rocket ship looking thing. It's like a rocket platform. It actually looks like one of the superpowers toys to me. And he's launching rockets uh, into Metropolis, aiming them at the Daily Star building. And this is a giant revenge scheme against Superman. And I realized something reading this for the first time. I was like, 
All right, here's what, what Alexei is doing. He says, uh, you see, Superman, this time my plan excludes you, yet it will uh, hit where it hurts where it hurts the most. He says, all your stupid friends work at the Daily Star, but very soon my super missiles will make them more than mere, little more than mere memories, he says, which shall torture your soul for as long as you live. You may not die, Superman, but the death of your friends will demoralize and ultimately destroy you. Now, haven't we heard about, oh, say a billion times by this point that the reason that Superman has a secret identity is to prevent, protect his family and loved yeah. ones? <laughs> I don't think it's working there, Super Dude, because they know where all your friends work. So anyway, inside... uh the office of the uh, Daily Star editor, Clark Kent. Now, in this universe, uh, Clark Kent uh, has become the editor. He took over the job from uh, from George Taylor, right? Yes. Because Barry White was never really part of the equation in, in that he universe. He actually was Clark's competition to become editor-in-chief. Oh, okay. There was a Mr. and Mrs. Superman story where they had to compete for the job. And Clark won out. Oh, cool. Have those ever been collected that you know of? No, and damn it, they should be. They should be. I'd like to sit and read that. You know, I I don't really feel like trying to track them all down unless it turns out that they are all, like, conveniently located somewhere. But if they would reprint them all in one, you know, collected edition, I actually would like to read that stuff because I found that I really like these chapters of of this book with with him and uh, Lois. Uh But but Lois is looking out the window and – she sees the missile attack and tells uh, Clark about it. Great shirt rip as he changes into Superman and says, you know, great Scott, this is certainly a job for Superman and even does the up, up and away, heads out the window. Very uh, Joe Schuster looking Superman flies up into the sky intending to, you know, belt these missiles and finds that, you know, as he's growing older, he's growing weaker and he just bounces off the missiles and, you know, very unceremoniously crashes to the ground. Takes back off again. Really great panel. Uh, that last panel of page six. Great shot of Superman, you know, streaking into the sky again. This time he does something different. He snags the missile, one of the missiles out of the air, lands on a nearby uh, building ledge, flings the missile up at the other missiles, and sets them all off in a tremendous explosion. And Alexei Luther, he's not too happy about this, and he immediately starts thinking about, well, what is my next attack going to be? When Superman comes busting through the wall, he back, you know, backpedaled the, uh, you know, route of the missiles and everything and uh, finds Alexei and says, you know, there's not going to be another mission. Flings Lex across or Alexei rather across the room. And uh, as we begin the next chapter, we see uh, Alexei locked up. And that takes us to chapter three, a switch in time. Where Alexei is all like, well, I won't be defeated for long. I came so close to killing him, but he pulls his fat head out of the fire. (laughs) Cut to Earth-1, where Lex, thank God, is taken out of his... Actually, I really like the purple and green outfit he's wearing here. Yeah, I I do too. Why I like it, uh, because I'm more of a power armor Lex type of guy, but... I guess it's because I grew up watching the Super Friends, essentially, and that's mm-hmm. what you wear there. But Lex is in jail on Earth-1, and he goes up to a man and starts fondling his chest. <laughs> and it turns out that the reason for this is is that this dude is a plant that Lex sent to jail and planted on him microcircuitry in a fake chest plate. Now, can I stop you for one moment? Yeah. What do you think a gig like that pays? 
It better pay a whole hell of a lot of money. Is all I'm <laughs> saying. Because that dude's pretty big, so he can probably take care of himself. But it's just like, so I want you to go to jail and be there for me when I get there. Aren't I going to get raped? <laughs> There's hazard pay involved. There be a, <laughs> there better be a shitload of hazard yeah. pay involved. <laughs> I'm not taking a protein shot in the ass. Oh, just for you know, dude, just for a couple <laughs> of bucks, you jackass. <laughs> but that guy looks pretty big. I mean, he's walking around with his shirt uh, open anyway, so he's probably more of the pitcher, not the catcher. If you catch my drift. Oh god. Um, so Lex Luthor uses this circuitry to travel to Earth Two, where he introduces himself very quickly to Alexi. Gives uh, says, touch me now! And Alexei's like, dude, I don't even know you. He's like, no, touch me now, you'll know what to do later. And they switch places. I imagine you hear that a lot in prison, actually. <laughs> so Lex starts going, guards, guards, help me, help me. I don't know how I got here. I was just sitting in my uh, home in the city, and Lex Luth- Alexei Luther switched places with me, blah, 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 blah. Well, let's get you a suit and let you on out the door. So Lex leaves... <laughs> Even hoisting his fist in the air, saying how, you know, this Superman is going to be no match for him. On Earth-1, Alexei, who is also in Clark Kent's suit, apparently, uh, <laughs> finds a car waiting for him, and he's just, and he has figured out, basically, what is going on. Meanwhile, at the offices of the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen is being a big douchebag by gloating that he scooped Lois on the story that she was right there uh, when it happened with Superman, which you got to feel bad for Lois on that, is she was so, feeling so sorry for herself and her relationship with Superman that she missed out on like a page one story. Though I think at this point, Superman throwing Lex Luthor in jail is probably like page three. Right. You got to think that that's not big <laughs> news anymore. <laughs> so. <laughs> So Clark comes in and Lois is all like, hey, didn't you hear that Superman almost lost his last battle? And Clark's like, well, it's good for him to lose every so often. We don't want him getting a super swelled head, do we? How did he almost lose? I'm kind of confused by that as well. So suddenly Clark gets wind of a super emergency and says, well, I'm entitled to my opinions, aren't they? And I don't have to stand here and be insulted like that either. And Lois is all like, Clark, Clark, get back here. And this is what pisses me off. I really hate making Lois mad like that. What? What? You were standing up for yourself, jackass. Don't apologize. And he flies out of the WGBS building onto a Metropolis street where there are various explosions happening. He finds Alexi Luther, who hits him with these discs that send him hurtling into space and they're apparently going to drag him to the far side of the universe. On Earth 2, Clark Kent is having a very different conversation with his Lois Lane as he has bought her a present. Suddenly, he uh, hears of an emergency, and Lois is like, another emergency? What is it this time? A runaway comet? (laughs) And it's just like, that's kind of awesome that she's just that blasé about him turning into Superman. So we find out that the emergency is that a little girl looks to be like she's running from a truck, but apparently the truck's brakes have gone out. Superman stops the truck by destroying the front end. 
and starts talking to the little girl and chiding her a little bit about looking both ways both ways before she crosses the street. She whips out a special gun which shrinks Superman. Lois Lane Kent sees this, runs outside, faces off against Luther pretty much, takes him down. Like pretty cool too. She trips him and then elbows him in the face. <laughs> grabs the gun enlarges Superman. Superman punches Lex out, and he flies off uh, because he's figured out that this is the Lex Luthor of Earth-1, so that his counterpart is probably having troubles, too. On the far side of the universe, in Earth-1, Superman uses the heavy gravity of a black hole to break free of the disks. He flies back to his city, where Alexei is about to kill the lowest lane of earth one stops him and he figures out what's going on. So he flies to the fortress of solitude. The two Superman communicate via whatever it is that allows them to communicate between worlds. And they basically decide to send both Luthers to the limbo universe where they once imprisoned the crime syndicate villains once there, Alexi is all pissed at Lex, but Lex is like, nope, figured this out before, take my hand, and they travel to a world where there are no heroes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that chapter. Absolutely. That was a really that. good chapter. It is a really good chapter. <clears throat> so chapter four begins, it's entitled, uh, Where Menaces Meet. And uh, both Luthors touch down in this really uh, idyllic-looking park, and they're kind of looking around. And Luthor says that they, uh, you know, if his theory worked, then they should be on Earth-3. And they're looking around, and, uh, you know, our Lex Luthor, you know, Earth-1 Lex Luthor says, you know, uh, that he has a plan for bringing them there and all that. And they look up, and they see a dude that looks very much like, you know, the standard Superman but he has a big W on his chest. And you know, at the mention of uh, Superman by Lex Luthor, this guy gets all worked up you know, because he and his friends had been imprisoned at one time and, and been humiliated by Superman. So he starts to attack the Luthors. Lex blasts him with a kryptonite beam. And the guy says, <laughs> uh, you know, you call me a buffoon. He says, I'm not like Superman. You know, your Superman kryptonite. Kryptonite strengthens me as he tosses them in the air. And Lex Luthor says, well, don't you think I know that? So they, you know, eventually they all make friends and they all realize that they're on the same side. And this big guy turns out to be Ultraman because in this universe, which, you know, is another parallel Earth. The, the twist with this particular Earth is that, you know, the guys that we typically think of as the, the core of the Justice League well, on this Earth, they're all bad guys. There are super they're all super villains. And there are no superheroes on this particular Earth. But for some strange reason that Lex Luthor goes into, despite this fact, these guys apparently are so inept that they still haven't been able to conquer their Earth, even with there being nobody to stop them. So uh, Lex promises Ultraman that if he helps the two Luthors with their plans, then they will help him finally be able to uh, conquer their particular earth. And as they all wander off arm in arm and they're all new buddies, we see that, uh, Lois Lane has been hiding in the bushes, secretly watching this entire exchange. Which brings us to chapter five, the summoning of Superman. 
And we find Ultraman hoisting a big, huge piece of equipment into the air. I think to impress the Earth One Lex Luthor, because when they were walking away before, he put his arm around Lex. And I have to think that Lex found that to be very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, dude, you know, boundaries, okay? So the two Lex talk about, you know, how uh, how they're teamed up with this Ultraman. And, bas- and that is when Alexei drops his secret plan, which is he is going to destroy Earths 1 and 2. And I have to imagine, uh, Luther go- the Luther of Earth 1 goes, what? But in my head, it goes out, oh, that's a great plan, Alexei. We're going to destroy Earths 1. What? <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, Lois Or she does it like <laughs> like um, South Park. What what what? <laughs> He's Mrs. Brofowski. Yeah, I couldn't think say. of her name. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Funny thing is is the other department manager where I work is a redhead named Sally and she does that naturally and has oh, never god. seen an episode of South Park. Oh my god, I would not be able to <laughs> I would not be able to just bust out laughing if somebody did that and was totally unaware that they were they were caricaturing that that woman. Oh my god, that would kill me. <laughs> so, so we cut to another place on Earth three where Lois Lane has tracked down the Alexander Luther of this world to see if he can get if he can help out in any way since he's a brilliant scientist and is the only one on the planet that stands a chance of stopping the two Lex Luthers and Ultraman. Meanwhile, on Earth two. Cal L, without the E, is showing his Earth One counterpart around, and they have, over the next few pages, a pretty serious heart to heart on the Earth One Superman's feelings towards Lois Lane. And basically, it comes down to the Earth Two Superman saying, Look, I wasted a lot of time playing a cat and mouse game with my Lois. And now that we're married, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. You have to do something for yourself. And the Earth-1 Superman is pretty much of the opinion that he belongs to the world, and he has a larger responsibility, and he doesn't know if he can do that. So their conversation is interrupted by the giant disembodied head of the Luther of Earth-3, summoning them to Earth-3 to stop Ultraman Lex Luthor and Alexi Luthor. And that's where we take over for Chapter 6, entitled Earth's First Superhero. And both of the Supermen materialize on this platform in Alexander Luthor's lab. And Alexander Luthor brings them up to speed on what uh, Lois, you know, the information Lois Lane has brought to him that Earth's 1 and 2 are in danger and they've all got to do something about it. So at, at this point... Luthor uh, goes into another room, almost looks like a phone booth, and he changes and he comes out and he's wearing a, a very cool superhero-y looking outfit. Uh, think kind of Adam Strange is what I think this outfit looks like. It's it's like a cross between Adam Strange and who is that post? Colonel Christ- Future. Oh yeah, he does look like Colonel Future. I, I was thinking of that guy, what was his name? Alpha Centurion? Oh yeah, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I, the Roman guy. Yeah, but you know, I, I think yours was better, Colonel. Fe- I forgot all about that dude. He's he's pretty obscure. So uh, they all they're all like, all right, let's go get these bad guys. So we cut to um, 
the lab where you know the Luthers are working, and the Earth One Lex is actually you know the Earth One Luthor is actually trying to talk the Earth Two Luthor out of this plan. You know he says you know I've got relation there and all this sort of thing, and you know you're much more bloodthirsty than I am. And that's when they uh, look on their little trouble alert thing and they see the Superman and this other unidentified guy heading towards them. So Alexi Luthor orders Ultraman to go deal with this and uh, we get a little bit of exposition, you know, internal thought balloons from Ultraman and how he resents being talked to like he's stupid or something. And he plans to do something about, you know, the, the Luthors a little bit later on. Some really nice fight scenes here between uh, Ultraman and the Superman, and I like that. There's even a, a little bit of uh, you know comic book science uh, explanation given to why he's more powerful than them, is because the kryptonite that fuels him apparently stays in his cells or something, and and kind of radiates and weakens the two Supermen, you know, leaving him stronger than they are. I, I really like that. I thought that was kind of cool. And he really gives the two Supermen a serious beatdown. He's uh, clearly winning this battle when Luthor decides to engage him, which kind of horrifies um, the Earth-1 Superman when he looks up and realizes that Ultraman is headed towards Luthor. Now, Luthor has no superpowers. You know, whatever he's doing, he's getting from his suit. And uh, as Ultraman tries to belt him a good one, suddenly he realizes that he's been made immaterial. Uh, intangible by Luthor. So uh, Alexander Luthor tells the two Superman, hey, I got this, you know, you go deal with, you know, the evil Luthors. So they both streak off. I really like the shot right there, the third panel on page 35, where Earth-1 Superman is flying and Earth-2 Superman is clearly leaping. And that's really, mm-hmm. that's neat. That's a nice distinction between the two. So we cut back to the lab and the two Luthors are still arguing. And Earth-1 Luthor is actually starting to put the moves on Earth-2 Luthor to try to get him to stop. Not those kind of moves, <laughs> Herbert. When no, suddenly the... Rub your back a little bit. <laughs> you, just, you just need attention relief. <laughs> so suddenly the two Supermen come breaking into the room. And this turns the tide of, of the two Luthors being in disagreement. They decide, all right, well, you know, both of our enemies are here and this is our big opportunity. So let's put our differences aside, take these guys out. And Earth 2 Superman decides, hey, I got this. You need to go do something about, uh, you know, what they're doing. Now, did we really talk about what they were doing? Their, their big plan here is they're zapping. Alexa's big plan. Well, yeah, Alexi's plan the, is that they're zapping both Earth-1 and Earth-2 with some sort of, what I forget what they called them, ion, some sort of ion beam. Yeah. And what it's going to do is it's going to bring both Earths together, make them material, and when they both try to occupy the same space at the same time, they're both going to go kablooey. So there's some really good, uh, again, some nice fight scenes here where both Luthors are really putting a hurting on the uh, the Earth to Superman, but he refuses to stop. You know, he over is, you know, it's the great, uh, you know, typical superhero thing. You know, I, I've got to overcome. I, you know, I can't be stopped and it's all for, you know, truth and justice and that sort of thing. And he actually does overcome and he takes down. Uh, the lab, you know, destroys all the equipment and everything. In the meantime, Earth-1 Superman has flown into space with a gadget given to him by Alexander Luthor where he attempts to 
uh, oh, it was the immaterial gun. That's what it was, the intangibility gun. And he attempts to make uh, one of the Earths intangible so that it will pass harmlessly through the other one. But there's just not enough power in this gun to make it work. So he you know, does a very brave slash foolish thing. He actually places himself in the path of the ion beam that is, you know, blasting one of the earths and, and moving it into position to be destroyed causes him great pain and everything, but it also gives the gun the supercharge that it needs to make the entire planet intangible. And this works and the two earths pass, pass harmlessly through one another and, you know, they have managed to save the day. We go back to the lab where um, Earth 2 Superman has wrapped up both Luthors with, it looks like steel beams, like he bent these beams around them, wrapped them all up and everything. And we get a nice wrap up. Um, we see where somehow or other, Alexander Luthor actually managed to take out Ultraman. He comes, you know, into the lab dragging Ultraman by his cape into the room. It's pretty cool. And the two Superman, you know, they shake hands and everything and they, you know, they welcome uh, Alexander Luthor to, you know, the superheroing biz and all that. We get nice shots of both Superman taking their respective Luthors to jail. And then in the in the finale to the book, Earth 2 Superman comes flying in the window doing the, hey, Lucy, I'm home. And he tells her, you know, how very glad that he is that, you know, she was there waiting for him and how much he loves her and everything on Earth 1. Superman comes flying in the window of the uh, WGBS building, looking like he's very intent on doing much the same thing with his Lois Lane. However, he overhears someone, presumably, oh, it is Perry, because she says Perry. Uh, Perry calling to Lois saying, hey, you know, I've got this assignment in Europe for you. You know, do you want it? And she's like, yeah, of course I do. And she heads out, leaving Earth One Superman very sad. Standing there with his head down and his shoulders hunched, uh, like a black blackness behind him, and that's the that's the sad finale to the story. And uh, wow, I love this book. Yes. Oh my god, I love this book. I loved it when I was a kid, and I was so looking forward to us covering this and rereading this. But as I got this out and took it out of the bag and started to crack the cover, I stopped for a minute. And I said a little prayer, and it went something like this. Please, God, don't let this be another one of those books I loved when I was a kid, and I read it now as an adult and find out that it was like total crap, and I was the stupidest kid alive when I was a kid. Because that <laughs> happened to me. Well, you know, the, the famous one that you and I have always talked about was uh, when I reread that um, Supergirl sentence to the Phantom Zone story yeah. from Superman yeah. Family. I loved that story as a kid. Read it as an adult, and I'm like... This is the stupidest story. It's really stupid. So I was really fearing that I would read this and be like, oh, God, this is dumb. It's not dumb. It's awesome. It's so awesome. I love this book. <laughs> very formulaic, but it works It works very well. Now that they have the multiple Earths back, mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that someone gets the bright idea in a Superman-Batman annual to kind of retell this story. I could live with that. Or at the very least, retell that world's finest that we covered years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, that was only about six or seven months ago, but it seems like years ago. Well, you say this was formulaic, but at, at this particular time, was this formulaic? Um, I, I will say yes, but not in a bad way. Because 
formulate can be kind of a pejorative, but to me, this harkened back in the early eighties to kind of an old school type of, you know, where in the first chapter you see the Earth-1 characters, in the second chapter you see the Earth-2 characters doing much the same that the Earth-1 characters are, and then they're teaming up. It's a lot like Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man. I wondered which of us would bring that up first, yeah, because I, I noticed a lot of similarities, not, not the least of which was um, in that book, Luthor peeled his own skin off. And had the the micro circuitry there, you know, where he built the uh, it was an ultrasonic device, right? Where he made all the guards like collapse and stuff, and he and Doc Ock escaped. And then in this one, it's it's similar, but you know, he had someone else wearing you know the false skin with the micro circuitry in it, and uh, and built his interdimensional transporter thing, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, very similar. Yeah, but not in a bad way. Not in a bad way at all. No, not at all. No, um, not at all. Because I love that story as well. Yeah. Though I think we both said we preferred the second one, plot-wise, over the first one. Yeah, I, I always favor the second one more simply because I read the second one first. Yeah. But the first one does have certain elements that... Um, I like better, not the least of which is uh, is the art. Not that the art is by any means you know bad or or lacking in the second one, but you know, come on, you know, Neil Adams, Ross Andrew, you can't you can't beat that, you know. But John Buscema did a pretty good job. Oh trying yes, to, so uh, you know, I would love to have seen more Buscema, um, Buscema Superman. Now the art in this, oh my god, fantastic, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Just, stuff. Uh, just amazing his 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 earth one superman was great his earth two superman outside of page six where he's looking like that neil adams batman pose thing going on there uh which looks a little wonky because his chest looks massive and his legs look very very tiny (laughs) um no just just especially like when luther of earth one gets out of jail on the bottom of page 10, I mean, that's a malevolent-looking Lex Luthor. Yes. You know, even though he's wearing kind of a basic suit, you know, he's he's there to take take on the world, and he doesn't care. And, and frankly, as smart as Alexi Luthor is, I, I always believed that the Earth-1 Lex was more intelligent, more of a threat. Yeah. Uh, just because the Superman of his world was more powerful and more of a threat. Right. So, and we've discussed in the past how, why don't the villains of earth one just go over to earth two and just take over. Right. But, uh, but I, I, I think everything about this issue worked very well for me. I, I love the, t- the two Superman sitting there talking about their Lois's. And the Earth One Superman just being like, I can't. I mean, I just, I just have too many responsibilities. And you almost want to get the sense that the Earth Two Superman would look at him and then upside, you know, gib slap him upside the head, <laughs> NCIS style, and go, "Dumbass, I'm older than you. I've been doing this longer." Right. But I think the difference is, I never got the sense that the Earth Two Superman was a global defender. Yeah, you know, you're right, yeah. He's known around the world from London to Bombay. I was about to do an MC Hammer joke, but I decided against it. Um, 
But I don't think he has the I'm going to patrol the world mentality that the Earth-1 Superman has. And I think that was the big difference between the two of them. And why, deep down, I always prefer the Earth-2 Superman. Because I'm a act uh, act locally, think globally type of guy. <laughs> and the Superman of Earth-1 is a act globally, think locally. <laughs> you right. know, I'm going to take care of Metropolis, but I'm also going to take care of all these other disasters around the world. And for some reason, that kind of takes me out of Superman. Because compelling Superman stories are him dealing with things going on in his own world. You know, some people may want to see him taking care of a volcano or an earthquake or a tsunami or, you know, saving a bunch of, you know, whales from being killed by poachers and then beaming them aboard the Enterprise and getting back to the future so that the big sad... Oh, wait, that was Star Trek Four. <laughs> Crap! I always get them confused. Um, you know, it's why I prefer the post-crisis Superman. Yeah. And why I think I got into him as a character because everything involving... All the great stories, at least, involving that Superman all had to do with Metropolis and his own little world. Well, I think that's one of the reasons you and I both like, um, you know, the the burn Superman, you know, that that era, you know, the the FCTC era of Superman is because that Superman is much closer to Earth 2 Superman Mm -hmm. than he is to, you know, his pre-crisis incarnation. Very much so, because he couldn't you know, fly into space and go off and visit his buddies, you know, on the planet Zoltar or whatever and hang out there for the entire issue. You know, he had to, like, as you say, act locally, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, eventually when he got married and that sort of thing, you know, because one of the things, I, you know, one of the big notes I've got right here, page six to me is perfect Superman. I love this. You know, Lois looks up into the sky. She sees the threat. You know, he changes to Superman from Clark Kent, you know, issues all the standards that I love of Superman. You know, great Scott. This is certainly a job for Superman up, up and away and all of that. You know, be careful, darling. I I always am, honey. And then he flies off and, you know, he's intending, well, I'm Superman, damn it. I'm just going to belt these things. And that doesn't work. You know, he's knocked on his face. So then it's okay. Well, you know, I've got to try a different tact. That whole sequence right there, I'm telling you, man, you know, I would totally start buying Superman comics again if this was how they portrayed him in Lois Lane. Because I know it's old school and there's probably people listening to us right now going, oh, God, I don't want him to do that kind of stuff again. But this is Superman to me. That's that's why I love this book, because it feels like. Wow, that's the Superman I've been missing right there. You know, it totally is. Well, it, the great thing about the Earth 2 Superman is he wasn't as powerful as the Earth 1. And that's the biggest complaint. Oh, you can't get anything, anybody to fight Superman. He's too powerful, which is, you know, bullshit reasoning to right. begin with. But Earth 1 Superman is the one to go off to face the cosmic part of it. Right. It's the Earth 2 Superman that's there to take down the two Luthers. And he, and he had trouble with one of them. So there's real drama there. I mean, you know he's going to win. 
because they're not gonna they're not gonna have like this big story where you know the Earth Two Superman fails and the Earth One Superman has to bail him out. Because but you know, way. you bring up an interesting point though, Mike, is that as a kid, I didn't know that. I mean, here was two Superman, you know, two Superman. You so you had a you had a redundancy, potentially. Earth Two Superman could have died in this story, and you were still left with Superman. Yeah. So you know that again, that goes back to why you and I love Earth Two stories so much because these were all the backup guys. You know, I mean, we saw that very clearly by this time. Batman had died mm-hmm. in Earth Two, so you know, every time you read a story, uh, particularly something like this with both Superman, there was very much potential for, you know. Kill one of them off. You still got the other one, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I think it would have been a cheat for DC to announce that they were going to kill Superman at this point, and it be the Earth Two Superman. I mean, it would be like Marvel releasing an image today that says the death of Spider-Man, and it turns out just to be an ultimate ultimate universe thing. Oh wait, that fucking happened. But they so. they did it with. With uh, the marriage, I know. I, was I mean, they pimped that. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I was totally unaware of that, to be honest with you. Yeah, they they released a big image that said "Death of Spider-Man," uh-huh. and it got fandom and all a tizzy. And then they released the press release that it's an ultimate story. Ah, uh-huh. is that Spider-Man going to die? Uh, apparently, I don't know. Huh. <laughs> I don't really care. I just yeah, was I making really. fun of the cheat. <laughs> Never got into. Uh... To ultimate Spider-Man, I have to be honest. No, but, but they, that's I mean, exactly they... what they did with the, with the marriage of the Earth Two Superman because you had to look and see the Daily Star building in the background, right, to know that something was up, right. Yeah, they so, totally pulled that cheat. Uh, just just a fantastic story. A uh, couple quick notes. I like the the switching off in the beginning, as I said. I like seeing. This this is like the only story I've ever really read with Alexi Luther in it, mm-hmm. outside of him getting killed by Brainiac in Crisis on Infinite Earths number nine because he mouthed off. Well, I think also I think Brainiac saw what you and I have both observed is that Alexi is your standard you know your standard evil. Uh, supervillain, but he's not the genius supervillain. And mm-hmm. so not only was the, red- I think he even says there's a redundancy or he uses some term to that effect that we don't, we just don't need two Lex Luthers. But also I think he realized very clearly that they were, you know, not evenly matched at all. You know, you had Lex Luthor who's, you know, super genius. And then you had Alexi Luthor who was just, you know, nutty madman. Lex Luthor, super genius. <laughs> um, there's a lot of comic book science, what I will call it, in the in, in this story, and it, and it occurred to me the other day how much of that that I've accepted as fact in my life, and how <laughs> I really have to stop thinking in those terms, because it's like you know the, the whole black hole thing that kind of works, but. You got to think they so convincingly talk about the two Earths passing between each other and becoming immaterial. But if they became solid, you know, because two two things cannot occupy the same place at the same time, they will destroy each other. You know, th- that seems like oh, that, that that totally could happen. And then you think about it, it's like, wait a second, 
really? So how are you going to build that device? What is it? What 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 is it going to work upon to make the Earths come together and destroy each other? So I, but it's the good kind of comic book science where you do accept it as fact and just move on and not think about it too much. I would love to see like go onto YouTube and find like. You know where where Stephen Hawking was giving some you know lecture at some symposium somewhere or something and talked about that and someone raised their hand and said, uh, now, "Where did you get that theory from? You know what what brings you to 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 have that opinion or whatever?" And he goes, "Well, DC Comics presents annual number one, of course." <laughs> uh, page twenty. There's a neat piece of art where the two Luthers touch each other and they're skeletons. Yeah, like you get the X-ray shot of them. That's pretty cool. Um. Ultraman is kind of awesome in this story, but it's also my biggest quibble with it, because, yeah, we get a really great fight between the two Supermen and Ultraman. And, yeah, it's really cool that they threw in the whole, he's got residual kryptonite, so it's going to be harder to beat him. But his takedown is off screen. Yes. We don't see... Dr. Luther of Earth 3, take down Luther. He just comes in at the end and goes, ah, I took care of this shit. So it's like, <laughs> how that happened? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have liked to have known exactly, because as I was reading this and, and he does that, you know, he comes, I love how he comes walking and he's dragging him <laughs> by his cape. I just, I don't know why, but that really cracks me up. And that was my first thought is, wait a minute, how did he do that? You know, so yeah, we got kind of screwed on that. We don't know how he did it. Well, the main problem I have with that is that while this is the two Supermen teaming up, this is also the first appearance of the first superhero from Earth 3. Mm-hmm. And we get like this big introduction. We see his cool Buck Rogers costume. And then it's just like, oh, I, I took care of it. Don't worry about it. You know, you guys are the important ones here. I'm just, I, I just, I, I'm just here for mop up. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, my, my final note is I'm glad that there, that emo Superman is nothing new because that last image of him going back at home, there's Lois, maybe I should. And she gets off on assignment. He's like, but, but it's not like he saw like she saw him. Right. And she blew him off. <laughs> it's kind of uncharacteristic for the earth one Superman to act like this really. Yeah. Yeah. It it almost feels like maybe, um, you know, with apologies to Marv Wolfman, it almost feels like maybe he wasn't quite sure how to end this little tale. Yeah. You know? But I, I still like that ending, but it is a downer. I mean, the, the rest of the issue is so awesome. You know, they, they save the Earth, you know, two Earths, and it's, you know, all this Superman coolness and action and everything. And then at the very end, it's it's a real downer with Superman standing there. <laughs> he looks pathetic. He's like, you know, he's... <laughs> Like the like the trip lose sound from yep. <laughs> exactly yes exactly I can totally hear it so yeah and, and and on page forty that final panel of the Earth Two Superman doesn't it look like he should be telling you something important like to recycle or page forty it's like and remember kids look both ways before crossing the street <laughs> yeah it does. <laughs> You're right. He's looking at us like like they had in those those safety. You know, never get in cars with strangers because <laughs> they'll touch you in the bad place. <laughs> You're right. He's looking right at us. That's creep. Stop looking at me. 
<laughs> I got to turn the page. <laughs> no, nah, but just an awesome, awesome story. I'm glad we finally got around to, to covering it like we wanted to. Yes. Uh, yes. In, in, in an environment that, that makes sense. Because this this is, while it's tangentially Tales of the JSA, it is more of a back to the bins type of event. Well, you know, this is the first time in, in quite a long time that we had an issue. We both loved it. And we were able to talk about it for more than like a minute and a half because normally, you know, the the ones that suck are great. You know, we love the ones that suck because you can really talk about them and tear them up and make a lot of good jokes. It's the ones that are awesome that are hard to talk about because it's like, what do you say other than, wow, I, I love this. Look at that panel. But this one really, you know, inspired a lot of good conversations. So I love it. I, I've got a few notes on this. Okay. Um. This is a time, and you know, I, I really do envy you your ability. I know I make a lot of fun and, and ribby about it, but I really do envy your ability to remember like what you had for breakfast when you read, you know, some <laughs> issue twenty years ago. That really pisses me off, but I really do envy you. This is a time when I wish I could remember the sequence of events with this one because I know for a fact that this was my first exposure to Earth Three and Ultraman. But I want to say that there's there's every possibility this is uh, – I know it's not my first Earth 2 story, but this might be my first Earth 2 super – I'm not sure. I, at the very least, I'm pretty sure that this is where I learned that the Earth 2 Superman was married to his Lois Lane. I'm almost positive of that because I really – I've always loved the sequence where – um. Lois Lane, Earth One Lois Lane, runs out into the street and says, you know, what did you do to Superman? And he says, I've destroyed him, just as I'll destroy you, Lois Kent. And then when Superman comes down and defeats Luthor, she's like, he called me Lois Kent. He said we'd met before, but we haven't. And I remember as a kid thinking, wow, she's dangerously close to figuring this whole thing out. Or at least that, that was my impression as a kid. And that always made me think, you know, it's too bad that, like, say, like, Alexei Luthor didn't learn who Superman was. Because how would that dynamic play out the next time he might find himself on Earth-1? You know? Or something like, you know, it's it's when you think about it, that's actually kind of wacky that none of the villains of either Earth ever found out the identity of their hero so that they could go share that info, or, you know, leak that information out between the two Earths. It could have created an interesting <laughs> but, but, dynamic. But I love the shade figuring out that Jay Garrick is the Flash and running to like Captain Cold. I figured out who the Flash is. Jay Garrick! And they go to Jay Garrick's house, but it's but it's some like hapless postal <laughs> worker, and they kill him, <laughs> thinking, aha, we have stopped the Flash. <laughs> That actually would have been an interesting story, I think. Like the Harlequin shows up to Sinestro and or uh, to Blackhand. It's like he's really Alan Scott, and Alan Scott's like, uh, like a like a like a Chippendale dancer, and <laughs> they kill him on stage, and everyone's really upset because it was a it was a bachelorette party, and now she's going to be scarred for the rest of her life because the guy that was jiggling his junk in front of her face two seconds ago, she's now wearing it on her face because they imploded him. And then Green Lantern shows up. It's like, uh-oh. And everyone has a big <laughs> laugh. <laughs> Things are really dark in my world, aren't they? <laughs> they are very dark in your world. 
And I don't want to spoil ahead for things that, you know, we will eventually cover um, more than likely on uh, Tales of the JSA, but I noticed uh, the whole Superman getting weaker as he gets older thing, that kind of goes away, doesn't it? It comes and goes. Yeah, because he ends up performing, you know, some pretty spectacular feats, you know, that we'll, well see. Crisis then. 11, he's flying right across, alongside Superman. Well, you know, not to mention what he, you know, what he does, you know, in, yeah, at in the, the end conclusion. Of yeah, at the conclusion of that story. Um, page four, uh, or excuse me, page 12, rather, uh, panel four. I loved this, that, you know, after he basically ticks off well he doesn't really so much tick off lois i think is that you know he just acts like he's ticked off he says well i don't have to stand here and take these insults and he storms out and he thinks to himself he says still one day i've got to start infusing clark with some guts he can still be meek and mild but he doesn't have to be the office joke and i was like yes i love that because i felt like that was marv wolfman really projecting his own opinion into the piece, you know, because that's exactly how I feel. I don't like the buffoonish Clark Kent. No. Yeah, I don't mind him being meek and mild, but, you know, be a man, you know, don't be a a parody or a, you know, like he says, an office joke, because that's what he was during this time. And seeing him going back into that again was one of the major things that drove me away from current Superman books. I, I don't like that iteration of Clark Kent. Well, I, I got to give it up to Superman's Secret Origin with one thing is is at the end, the one thing they really nailed in terms of the dynamic between Lois and Clark is that at the end of the story, spoilers, when she turns around, she goes, you weren't there. Where did you go? And instead of playing it off that he was hiding, she goes, no, I know what's up. You were off covering the story. I've got my eye on you. And I like that concept that when he disappears, they don't assume that he's afraid. They just assume he's off covering some aspect of the story. Mm. And I really like that. I'm yeah. like, wow, that, that works brilliantly. You know? Because it's not like... Because then they don't... You know, she does... At least she doesn't see him as a coward... She just sees him as competition. There's something up there that she has to figure out, but she hasn't put two and two together yet. Right. And I would, I prefer that dynamic more than, oh, Clark's gone. He's probably hiding under a desk somewhere. I can buy that. Because I freaking hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, Alexei's trap. You know, he's got these these discs with these wires that wrap all around Earth-1 Superman. And on that third panel, page 13, he says, But they'll drag you to the far side of the universe. And Superman's thinking, Rayo, can't break free. And I'm thinking, relax, Super Dude. I hear there's an awesome restaurant there. <laughs> and when he gets to the far side of the universe, there's just a Disney monorail available back to Earth. <laughs> And there you are going, okay, step up on in. (laughs) Move all the way across your car, folks. Make room for everybody. Uh, So, uh, (laughs) page 14. I can't tell you what it is exactly, but this whole sequence where Superman stops the truck, checks on the little girl to make sure she's all right, and she says, yeah, Superman, I'm just fine, which is more than I can say for you, and then shoots him. Bang, you're dead. 
There's something about that sequence I love. That's one of my favorite moments in a Superman comic. I can't tell you why. I just love that. It's it's really cool. And he just starts to shrink out of sight. It's I guess what it is is for for just a moment, you know, I can kind of share in Luthor's triumph here because he he did it. He took Superman out. If it wasn't for Lois, you know, how could Superman possibly come back for, from this? You know, he he's he's literally shrinking out of existence. I think that's one of the the reasons I really like this sequence is because he got him. And it you know, it's 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 Lois that manages to bring him back. But I really do like that sequence. It it, it just it totally works for me. I think for one thing it, it plays off of you know, I've often said I, I, I like Superman being not necessarily naive, but kind of innocent. And this this is a moment where he is completely vulnerable. You know, he, he has saved the life of a child. The last thing Superman would expect is that the child would turn on him and be a threat to him. And she takes him out. That's awesome. I really, really like that. Um, I loved page, uh, I think it was 23. Yeah, we finally get an explanation. And I completely buy this, by the way. I, don't, I can't believe I forgot about this. Because I know you and I have discussed before the numbering of the earths, you know, and why is earth two earth two, if it's actually got the older incarnations of all the heroes Well, Lex Luthor lays it all out here, that it has nothing to do necessarily with, uh, you know, any sort of designation other than the fact that it's the order that they were discovered in. So because Barry Allen went from his earth to what became earth two, you know, then naturally, you know, since he was the guy, you know, he was already on an earth and he goes to another earth, then that becomes earth two. And that that's the reasoning laid out. So earth three was the next one discovered and so on and so on. I kind of like that idea. Uh-huh. It, it, it works to, a, to an extent. Um, and yeah, and then we already discussed, uh, poor, sad Earth-1 Superman at the end of the story. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got on this. But, uh, wow, you listeners, if, if you have not read this, if you haven't checked this book out, man, pick it up. I, I, I have no idea what it goes for as a back issue, but I would expect it's probably not, you know, got any probably huge... Probably like two bucks, two yeah. dollars. Yeah, like it's, it's totally worth two or three bucks. You know, find it on eBay, find it at your local comic shop, find it in a 50 cent bin, whatever. Check it out. It's really, really good comics. It's really good Superman comics. You're going to like it. I love that Megaforce ad. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the ads. The inside front deeds, not words. I've never seen this movie. I wonder if it's in Neither have I. I kind of, I know it exists because I've heard of other people talk about seeing it. But to me, it seems like a made-up movie. Like... It looks like it was it was like toys made into a movie almost. Yeah, but deeds, not words, and that's all because and and, and to my mind, no no member of Megaforce talks because it's deeds, not words. And every time you try to have a conversation, deeds, not words, <laughs> deeds, not words. <laughs> it sounds like something that would be drilled into you at your job. Hey, you guys, deeds, not words. We got Sergeant Shark. Oh, I want to act this out. I loved when I saw this. I was like, oh, here we go. A replacement for the hostess ad right here. And it's awesomely stupid, too. 
Alrighty, go ahead. Oh, you want me to? You want me to act it out? If you want to, or if you want me to, I will. You read the captions, and I'll be Sergeant Shark. Well, I imagine. By the way, both I... Sergeant Shark. That's the problem. Oh, is it? Oh, it is him reading it. All right, I'll do it. Can you do? Can you? Can you do the crocodile hunter voice? Because that's the voice I imagine this guy has, and I, I certainly can't do it. Oh God, can I? That's the question. <laughs> Because I used to do that to 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 try to make my wife laugh, and it would just make her make her annoyed. So. Something like, oh, "I'm Sergeant Shark." I don't know. Maybe I can do it. And this is my parrot Gaff. We roam the world looking for adventure. Six months ago, I found almost more than I could handle. <laughs> this is the stupidest story. <laughs> I was off Tiger Island pulling patrol when look, Gaff, an American sub. It's caught in a net of old WW2 mines. Let's go! Break. Splash! <laughs> Uh-oh! Shark! Shark's tooth pendant? Give me power. And it, he's underwater with this giant... It's like a great white swimming up on him as he's cutting mines loose from a net. And it's like, dude, I don't think you want to be doing that, okay? <laughs> you want to do the I next one? I grabbed that big guppy by the tail fin and slammed him in the side of the sub. <laughs> Must move this sub quick. And every Australian listener we have is now hating me. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so then the mines all explode, which should kill Sergeant Shark, but it doesn't. So we see him on the deck of, wait a minute. Well, I guess this could be the deck of the sub. It looks more like the deck of an aircraft carrier, actually. But maybe it's a submersible aircraft carrier. We saw that before in in Tales of the JSA. So he says he's shaking hands with the captain. He said, and by the way, it looks like the cap. Oh, I guess he's wearing sunglasses, but it actually looks like he has a patch over his eye, which I find hysterical. Yeah. He says, "I want you to wear my genuine shark tooth pendant, Captain, for you, your crew, and your country. It's." Shark power. <laughs> Let the legend of Sergeant Sark's genuine shark tooth pendant work for you. Don't wear a substitute. It's real. Void in Tennessee. <laughs> and apparently they feel so strongly about this, they give you two order forms. All right. So how many kids bought this, went out, took a bullet? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, yeah. What you say about the mines is absolutely true because when something explodes underwater, it's it's not so much the explosion that can kill you. But if you're within a certain distance of the explosion, the shock wave will basically liquefy your organs. Remember when, when Princess Di was alive and she was going around with that whole anti-landmine thing and all that? You don't suppose she was giving out Sergeant Shark uh, shark tooth pendants by any chance, do you? No, but I feel really bad that one of the issues of Superman that I really need, because I've tried to get all of them from the Crisis to Crisis era is the landmine issue. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the one where he fought Sergeant Shark or something. He should have done his DC Comics Presents Superman and Sergeant Shark. Let's see, we're going to bubble yum ad. The ads kind of peter out here from here on. Yeah. In. New right. Capsella construction. I do like that, Sergeant Shark. I wonder if there was ever another Sergeant Shark one. I don't remember. Unfortunately, no. We are never going to find a substitute for the hostess ads ever Aww. again. Got another Sergeant Rock toy ad. Wonder if Chuck Sheffy has those figures. Hey, Seems Chuck. Like something, something he would get. 
And on the back, we have an early Dungeons and Dragons adventure that um, the art got better. The art gets yeah systematically better, but it's it almost still looks not. like Terry Austin, doesn't it? I don't know that that one face on the top is really wonky to me. So. Oh, it, it is, but the inking style almost. You know, it actually reminds me a lot of like early Burn when he was at Charlton. That wizard, the way the, the wizard day minus one, yeah, stuff, stuff like, that. like that, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libson.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com.